0: you know, and what it sort of came down to was when I'm in my 80s, 90s, 100s, whatever it is, I'll look back and say, you know, I'm glad I took that year and a bit off because it made me such a, a more complete person with a worldly perspective and then created these awesome memories and experiences and met some amazing people along the way. Whereas I'm not sure if too many people would look back and say, oh yep, 2018, I'm glad I stayed in. <laughs> a corporate role or or work that extra year to get that transaction done. It was a a great way to to recharge the batteries and get a a fresh perspective and and come back with, I guess, renewed vigour.
1: Welcome to the Council Podcast, a podcast about life as an in-house lawyer. I'm your host, Mel Scott, Senior Legal Counsel at a global technology company based in Brisbane, Australia. I am passionate about all things in-house and am so excited to share insights, interview key people in our profession and demystify in-house practice. My guest today is Gregory Sito. Greg is an award-winning general counsel who currently works for Life Saving Victoria. Greg is one of those lawyers that you meet that makes you second guess his profession. How could someone that friendly be a lawyer? But lawyer he is and one of the best. Greg has worked across many industries, including waste management, airport infrastructure, mining and resources, as well as a stint at the public company regulator in Australia, the Australian Stock Exchange, or ASX. It was a real pleasure to catch up with Greg, as we once worked very closely together at Brisbane Airport Corporation. I learnt many things from my time working with him, including what it takes to be a high-performing in-house lawyer, the fundamental role that corporate governance should play in an organisation, and that at the end of the day, you should always strive to be a person that others say good things about when you're not in the room. And that is most certainly who Greg is. Enjoy this episode with Gregory Sito. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. I must say I've been very much looking forward to our catch up.
0: Thanks, Mel. I'm looking forward to, to catching up as well. It's been a little while.
1: It has. And you just mentioned before we started recording, it's probably been about two and a bit years since we had a chat and so much has happened since then. But I do want to give the listeners some context that we actually did used to work together. We were colleagues at Brisbane Airport Corporation and you were in fact my office neighbour for your sins for a large part of those years. So we definitely, we've been through a lot together and it's it's lovely that we could catch up again.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I've got to say, I was a very lucky office neighbour to have you by my side, so.
1: We'll certainly touch on our times as colleagues and your experiences since Brisbane Airport, but I want to start with a fun question. I ask all my guests this. If you had a limitless credit card, Greg, where would you spend it?
0: I probably wouldn't go to one particular shop, but I would definitely, I guess, spend it uh, in creating experiences. I'm a big fan of travelling, and it's one of my passions. So I guess that unlimited credit card would go towards travel. And I guess the reason for that was, you know, travel opens up your mind. You know creates those new experiences it gives you you know a bit of perspective for me it makes uh, it 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 makes me realize how lucky we have it in australia and it's a great way to connect and learn about not only yourself but the world so yeah it's that travel piece i want to
1: bring you back to what we're here to discuss all things in house and how you would describe what you do to someone who's actually outside of the profession
0: I work for Life Saving Victoria, so we're a not-for-profit as well as an emergency service, and our whole purpose is to prevent, I guess, drownings or prevent aquatic-related death and injury in all Victorian communities. So I look after governance, integrity, and legal, which essentially means I make sure um, and I help the company uh, achieve its purpose by doing things the right way. I think that's what it comes down to. Doing
1: things the right way. I love it. And I also love that you have this job because I know it's a real passion for you as well. Surf saving has been something that you've been a part of, or it's been a part of your life for many years, hasn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. So I think I, I started doing patrols probably, well, 10, 15 years ago, and down on the Gold Coast at Greenmount. And yeah, it, it, was a great way to give back to the community to, you know, it's not the worst volunteering you could do just sitting on a beach um, and making sure people are safe. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess uh, with Life Saving Victoria, it combines a number of passions and interests, both on the law front as well as the, the life saving and aquatic rescue front.
1: I think that's kind of the goal, isn't it? To work in a place or for in an industry that aligns with your values in one way or another. And if you can find something like you really have where there's that, that real nexus there of the personal and the professional, I feel like that you're just kind of living the dream, Greg.
0: Oh, oh, it depends which day you ask me true, <laughs> depends, oh, what issues come in. <laughs> but no, it, it is great to have uh, that connection with the purpose, especially if, if it's something you've been involved with or aligned with. It's great to have that connection, especially on that values side of things.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to take you right back to the beginning. I'd love to know what your first legal gig was and also how you found your way to in-house practice.
0: Oh, that's a... Uh... A long time ago now, Um, taking you
1: all the way back.
0: All the way back. So I guess uh, if we start at law school, I won't go before that. I guess my first technical legal gig was just clerking at a a a law firm. Mm -hmm. So um, doing the summer job, I you know over summer I volunteered at or or did you know very short part time work with various law firms around the place. But then I guess my first full time law related job was with Clayton Utes as a trainee lawyer, so up in oh, Brisbane. you got
1: one of those coveted graduate positions.
0: Yes, <laughs> looking back, I was quite fortunate because I guess this was pre-GFC, hmm. so, you know, there were deals going on left, right and centre. It was, I guess, still a, a fairly competitive market back then. And, yeah, I was quite lucky to, to be offered a position with Clayton Utes as a trainee lawyer, And I ended up spending, I think, five and a half, almost six years at Clayton Utes working my way through, you know, the rotation. So it was litigation and dispute resolution, a bit of compliance, a bit of banking and finance, and ultimately ended up in corporate advisory. So corporate M&A before GFC was quite an interesting space. (laughs) I was lucky enough, you know, with a couple of years at Clayton Utes, I did the rotations and I was fortunate enough to have been sent on a number of secondments there as well. So...
1: Right. And a secondment for for those that may not be entirely sure.
0: Yes. So essentially the firm had, you know, various clients and every now and then a client would say, oh, do you mind sending a lawyer over to help us out on a particular project or to help cover leave or just to add a little bit more capacity to the legal team because of whatever was going on.
1: That gave you a a slice of... Or a taste of in house life as such. Oh,
0: absolutely. And and I think I, I probably enjoyed it a bit too much.
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, I can relate.
0: And it was only for about three three, four months was with a large A ASX, ASX company called TransPacific. I think they're called Clean Away now. So it was in waste management, but it gave me my, my true my first taste of in house and I really enjoyed it there.
1: And That's then,
0: fantastic. And then I guess after that, what happened, essentially I was offered another secondment pretty much quick, uh, straight, straight away after Trans-Pacific. And it was quite unique because I, I don't think uh, many people would be in this position or it wouldn't happen now again. And that was with the corporate regulator ASX.
1: Right. Wow. So I ended
0: up spending a re- initially six months and that was extended to 12 months plus another month or so. So about a year and a bit. As a corporate regulator with the Australian Securities Exchange, so in some ways, you know, playing company cop, yes, (laughs) a little bit, which was quite interesting because you know, I guess on the other side, as the in private practice, you're on the flip, usually on the flip side of the equation, so that was quite fascinating working with you know, ASX companies with compliance with, you know, I guess in some ways working with the company secretaries and directors to to make sure they comply with the continuous disclosure regimes, the reporting regimes, the the corporate governance principles. I think my little, where my interest really li- lied was uh, with the IPO side of things. So helping a few companies list publicly, oh, uh, albeit awesome. from the regulator side was quite, quite fascinating as well. Uh, There's
1: got to be something to be said for being on the I suppose, the COP side, the compliance side, as you said, to understand and to look at what best practice really is and what companies are trying to, you know, get away with, where the grey areas are, you know, and everyone from the fully compliant, overly compliant down to the ones that, you know, you were keeping a bit of an eye on. And no doubt that would have been a fascinating experience, seeing all of those dynamics at play.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I guess, and that's the beauty with the ASX because you have such a range of companies who choose to list. You've got your your big end of town with the full compliance teams all the way down to you know the 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 smaller probably family run companies. And this is the next step in their evolution. And you know transitioning from a family run company to a ASX listed company can be a a bit of a jump for for many companies, oh, for and especially sure. in the culture side. So. It was quite fascinating to work with quite a few of the companies along those lines and and see how how they transitioned across.
1: So you've done two secondments now. Was there a third or was it it see you later private practice? No, it was uh,
0: once I finished my time at ASX, I returned back to private practice and probably spent another six months uh, in corporate advisory. And I think at that time, like, even though it was just past GFC or during the GFC, there was still a lot going on, More, probably more on the restructure side than than anything else in, in corporate advisory. And I, I think it's fair to say we were doing some fairly big hours. And for me, I, I guess I, I reached a point where, and <laughs> I, I look at it and go, oh, it's one of those moments in your career that you go, oh, that's probably a little bit of a defining moment. Um, and for me, it was probably one of those nights, you know, we'd done a probably uh, 14, 16 hour day and I was, instead of catching a taxi home, I decided I'm just going to walk home, you know, clear the head just to make sure, you know, to get a bit of fresh air, just get a bit more perspective before heading to bed because your, your mind's constantly going during a transaction
1: and knowing you're probably going to have to get up in a few hours
0: (laughs) to do (laughs) it all again yeah Yeah. absolutely and and where i was living in brisbane you know it was probably a 20 minute walk from the city to to where i was living in new farm and i was walking along the river and and it sort of dawned on me at that time to say wow like it's 10 10 pm 11 pm whatever the time was i have to get up in four or five hours time to get back into the office to Mm. keep going is this the lifestyle I want? And it sort of clicked say, well, probably not. Like, yes, you know, I, I work hard, I probably play hard, I enjoy the thrill of a transaction, but it was the particular lifestyle, you know, and, yes. you know, being in my mid twenties or late twenties at the time, I thought, you know, you could do it. But as I was looking further you know, ahead going, oh, if I start a young family or I want to travel a bit more, uh, is this really conducive to it? And, and for me, I, I sort of realized that no I can I can probably achieve my goals uh, without having to do those big hours and and without having to be at a a top tier law firm so I sort of that tempt, is a
1: defining you know. moment that I think comes to almost every private practice lawyer and particularly in the corporate MA space where the hours are
0: so intense. Oh absolutely and I guess it also depends on the organization you're with as well. Because I guess with my next gig I guess after Clayton Utes, those hours probably were quite similar, so I learned right. <laughs> at that time. But but it was a fascinating experience. Um but don't get me wrong, like I think having that law firm experience was absolutely crucial to where I am now. So spending those six years, five, six years, Clayton Utes, you know, getting that level of training. Yeah, absolutely. Great foundation, a fantastic training foundation. And especially the rotations around, so you get a, a, a better understanding of both front end and back end law. You get an understanding of the compliance side, and just a level of, I guess, detail and technical analysis, and that that you develop, and the critical skills in drafting, you know, all those type of things, uh, really set me up for for in house. I'm walking by my home. I've made I've had this epiphany that probably heading down partnership path was probably not for me, and in house was was more my cup of tea. And I guess it's one of those things that. I think it just happens in life. Once you have those moments, the world, you know, luck sort of conspires for you or or comes towards you. And, you know, and I remember just looking at various advertisements and and whatnot, and and along came this in-house gig. It was for a company secretary slash legal counsel role with, then it was a, a Greenfield resource company. So quite a small resource company that's based out of Brisbane with operations in uh africa amazing called discovery metals unfortunately discovery isn't around anymore i sort of looked at it and i remember my friends at the time saying oh greg you've got this great gig at a top tier law firm you're working on these big deals why would you consider going to a small greenfields miner and i um denied about it for a little while because i guess in law they you know, by, by virtue of what we do, we are pretty risk adverse. Mm-hmm. And especially going to into a company secretary space where you are an officer of the company. And for me, you know, it was, would have been my first in-house gig with a fair bit of responsibility. And I thought long and hard about it. And I said, no, let's take the challenge. I've got the skills that I need. And I was, was successful in the interview process and ended up joining Discovery. Amazing. In the course of those few years, I was at Discovery. <laughs> I guess I was lucky enough to have probably experienced a lot of transactions and matters which many company secretaries might experience over a decade or wow. or, or a couple of years or whatever it was. I remember my first day or first week as in-house because I was the first full-time in-house lawyer. I remember my CFO coming in and saying, Oh Greg, by the way, the lawyers that we've been using for the past few years—they just the two partners have moved firms, and their original firm wants to, injunct them from acting for us.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: <laughs> and I went, oh, so there goes our corporate legal history. Oh, oh gosh. dear, <laughs> how do I pick this up? <laughs> uh, it was quite, you know, it, it was almost out of the fry pan, into the fire moment. I thought, okay, no, just calm down. You can do this. Um, Fortunately for us, uh, they didn't get injuncted at the time. And we developed a very good, strong relationship. And, you know, there was a few moments in that first week where where I just thought, wow, what am I doing here? Like, I can't believe I'm doing this because the CFO at the time, or was it the CEO, handed me a few policies to say, Greg, okay, it's your first week, just, you know, Uh, get your feet under the desk but here's a few things that you need to do in the first week because you'll be traveling a bit and whatnot the first one was okay go go to the travel doctor (laughs) and get all these stabs and jabs because you'll be heading to africa in a few months time and then after that they handed me a a few of the the company policies and which really struck me was um the 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 animal policy (laughs) like as in when you're in africa this is our policy for if you come across a wild lion, this is oh what you do. Gosh. Or if you if an elephant just comes before your path, this is what you do. Wow.
1: So when when you think of company policy, you might think of, you know, bullying, harassment, Bullets, harassment social media.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It, you had how to deal with wildlife when you're in African plain lands on yeah, business. Yeah,
0: ex- <laughs> exactly. So that was my first week. And then um, in my first, I think, two, three months, again, a, a really big, steep learning curve, we transitioned from you know, a Greenfields miner to an ASX200, which That's was huge. fantastic, but a huge thing because from the corporate compliance perspective, so compliance with the, the uh, governance principles, you, you have to up the, the ante, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that was quite, quite an experience for me to get you know, in a relatively short period of time The policies and procedures and and the processes up to scratch.
1: How did you do that?
0: Having a a, a great team obviously helped. Having been at the ASX (laughs) helped Uh, a lot. (laughs)
1: Yes, that prior experience, that knowledge. Prior experience,
0: yes. So I may have adapted a few other companies' policies and procedures. Well,
1: you had seen what worked, hadn't you?
0: you really Absolutely. had yeah um, and they're all public <laughs> and they yeah, exactly and they're all public so yeah it was uh, just that and I, I guess just you know understanding the the bigger picture and to say, okay which are the key ones we need to address and just working through it methodically so you yeah, know we got into the ASX 2 200 and then we at the time we were tri-listed so we were nice. listed on the Australian Stock Exchange the London AIM as well as the Botswana Stock Exchange, which was quite fascinating in itself. But it largely meant that from a continuous disclosure perspective, we were mm. on the market almost 24-7, which was an interesting challenge in itself. But we had good systems in place with our advisors over in London, as well as Botswana, so, and, and obviously in Australia as well. Mm-hmm. And then alongside that, we, we did a, a number of capital raisings, working with you know the the investment banks and then if that wasn't enough i think it was just before christmas one year we got uh, approached by uh, a bidder and we entered into discussions with the particular bidder and it turned into a hostile takeover bid oh my over the company merry christmas <laughs> yeah, <but> yes exactly <laughs> exactly merry christmas indeed
1: <laughs> that's that's a lot and especially on the company secretary side I'm sure there was plenty of day-to-day legal work going on, but by the sounds of it, the corporate governance side was equally demanding. And I know it's yeah. something that is a bit of a, a theme throughout your career from from what I can see, you know, beginning at the, the ASX into your first in-house role and then at, at Brisbane Airport Corp, where we worked together, where, again, you had that dual legal counsel and assistant company secretary role, again, bringing forward that those skills and and that knowledge, but in an entirely new space, you know, all over again, unlisted for one. Mm. I guess Mm. maybe that was a a nice little breather for you after Discovery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So towards the back end of the hostile takeover, I guess at Discovery, I think uh, a few of us probably could see the writing on the wall on where the company could be going, especially in light of the, the, the takeover at the time. And I guess alongside that, an opportunity with BAC came up. And I sort of looked at it and went, oh, that could be quite quite interesting as well. I realized I was stepping into assistant role rather than the cosec, but that was okay, with, especially with a larger company. Hmm. And so I interviewed, I went through that process, uh, got offered the role, and yeah, I ended up at BAC in, in that Corporate council Assistant Co-Sec role for mm. a couple of years.
1: <laughs> I, I certainly know the experience that you had at BAC. You know, you just threw yourself into all aspects of that life. And I, I remember with fond memories, many airport tours and airside tours that we got to do. And, you know, it really was quite cool to get to go into the deep parts of an airport and understand operations that you would otherwise never not have the chance to to do. And of course, the airport was like its own little mini council, as we used to say. So not only did we have the obvious aviation air, airline related issues, but we were dealing with water and electricity and rubbish and solar and, oh, my gosh, everything,
0: <laughs> roads, maintenance. <laughs> and that was the best part, I think, because when I first started, like in my initial research, I thought, OK, BAC airport, aviation. So as long as there's an aviation bent to it, but I, I largely thought, oh, it was probably just planes and terminals and and runways. But as you rightly said, once you get into it, it's a whole council in itself. For me, it gave me such a broad scope of experience. Uh, yeah, as you said, whether it's from, it was you know directly related aviation type agreements to to infrastructure related yeah Yeah. everything else
1: you never knew from time to time what what could crop up hey do you have a a favorite memory of your time at BAC
0: oh I I think there's quite quite a few because I guess uh, transaction wise I think I was sort of doing the calculations a while ago and over the course of those four four five years it was about three billion dollars worth of corporate transactions that the the finance team and and we, you know, implemented, so to say. So that was a great part of it to, you know, some behind the scenes critical infrastructure. So, you know, aviation fuel pipelines was quite interesting to seeing the ads on TV, which was quite, quite fascinating to, to working with the regulator, the aviation regulator. That was, you know, it was great to have those relationships to, to working with our shareholders. Mm-hmm. I think it was quite Quite broad,
1: yeah. the the breadth and the diversity of the work I think is my my kind of fondest Absolutely. memory. Yeah,
0: For sure. and then I guess the other highlight for me was that secondment I was that I had over to Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam for a couple of months.
1: How long was that for?
0: I was away for a total of three months. Okay, and I think about, it
1: felt uh, like longer, Greg, because when you weren't <laughs> there, we had to figure out what you do and. <laughs> Try and do it. No, I'm kidding. I'm pretty sure we had a secondy helping. I'm kidding.
0: Yeah, yeah. I left going. Oh, what can I hide in the cupboard? (laughs) What can I hide in Mel's cupboard?
1: (laughs) Mel, can you just take this matter? I'll be back in three months. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Bye.
0: But what an awesome opportunity it was for you. Oh, absolutely. And just to see how another airport operated, and you know, understand the governance regime and the legal regime in in Holland was fascinating. So they've got this dual structure board with both a supervisory board as well as a management board, which is quite unique to Europe, but you hardly ever see it in Australia, for example. So it was quite fascinating to understand that and, you know, understand and work with, you know, Europe's, I think, third busiest airport. And I think the the humour between the Dutch and the Aussies aligned quite well as well. So Wonderful. that was a lot of fun.
1: Very, yeah, I'm sure it was a fond experience for you no doubt. Can I take you from BAC to your next role? After you finished your time at BAC you basically uh, in a roundabout way ended up working for Mickey Mouse.
0: Sorry. Yeah yeah it's it's a little bit
1: it's a bit <laughs> it's a bit more than that I
0: know it's, it's a little bit crazy but
1: take me through it I think it's awesome.
0: At BAC I'd spent what four four ish four and a half ish years there and looking back you know we with both Clayton Utes, ASX, Discovery, BAC, I guess on reflection, they were quite quasi uh, high profile, high responsibility, high pressure type roles. Mm. And one of the things I really wanted to do was to have a bit of time to myself, tick a few things off the bucket list and I guess refresh and reset in in some ways as well. So a bit of a sabbatical. Yeah, a bit of a sabbatical. So in 2018, at BAC, BAC was kind enough to give me a, a 12 months leave of absence. Uh, I took that leave of absence and went on a corporate gap year, <laughs> is I love what it. I called it. Or a 30-something gap year at that time. So, yeah, I, originally, uh, the original plan was, uh, we'll, we'll take six months traveling and, and see what happens there. So, you know, I started off in uh, a little bit in, of Australia, but went over to New Zealand. And then the bulk of my travel was throughout south america so you know it was myself my backpack i had a few friends join me on various parts but largely i was i was flying solo and uh, you know i did the inca trail i went through bolivia peru was beautiful love that chile argentina uruguay brazil colombia ecuador So it doesn't
1: sound particularly restful
0: (laughs) sounds like you were still
1: ticking off a lot of activity like that's An enormous amount of
0: countries. (laughs) Yes, in hindsight, it it probably was. Still a nice change of pace though, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And a different change of pace, a different perspective. You know, seeing unbelievable sights and meeting unbelievable people, you know, along that journey was was fantastic. And, you know, and as I was going through that, you know, six months sort of started turning into a little bit more. And coincidentally, or as luck would have it, Something came by my inbox, which I thought, "Oh, this is a bit too too crazy to be true," and it was a potential job opportunity working for Disney in the at their private island, Castaway Key, in the Bahamas. Amazing. And I looked at it and went, "Okay, I'm on my gap year. Maybe I should just give it a shot." You know. Yes. When will this ever come up again? Especially for, I guess, what was I, a ten, twelve PAE corporate lawyer? <laughs> I thought. I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. So I applied, you know, I'd been life-saving for, what, 10, 12 years. And uh, I guess the great thing about Aussie lifeguards, is we've probably got a pretty good reputation around the world. Applied, got accepted. And a couple of months later, I was flying from Brazil to Orlando to go to Mickey's retreat. At Disney. I went to Disney University to be properly inducted, go through all the training there. And... After that, hopped on a cruise ship, got a you know a a bit more training there, and ended up in the Bahamas. And you know, I spent my days, and this sounds, and I I still kick myself. So it was a combination of essentially lifeguarding, to hiring out aquatic equipment. So you're, (laughs) (laughs) I I know, I'm just kidding. It just sounds a bit bizarre, doesn't
1: it? It sounds almost too good to be true. I've just got these visions of you in this glassy, clear water, just hanging out with holiday makers and just chilling out and I getting think, paid for it. Exactly.
0: Yeah, that was it. So, so I spent six months, yeah, living on on Castaway Key. It was an amazing experience there.
1: That's awesome.
0: Um, so that's how I sort of ended up working for Mickey. <laughs> for four, six months.
1: Would you recommend to to anyone that's coming up to that? I don't know, you've senior lawyer. You've kind of been in it for a while. To actually just take a gap year, if it's an option.
0: Oh, absolutely! Like if you can, I guess if you you're you've got the opportunity to do so, go go grab it. Like for me, it was a, a way to experience and enhance I guess you know to get those life experiences so and, and what it sort of came down to and again uh, I remember having conversations with with colleagues and friends at the time because at BAC at the time I was acting group cosec as well so you know probably one of the best gigs in Brisbane in, in, in that space I would I would say and in some ways they were saying oh why are you giving this up I'm going oh and I, I thought long and hard about it. I thought, no, but it's, yes, I know I can do it and I'm great at it. I, I've got the great skills. But in some ways, it was the right time for me as well to go and, you know, fill the life bucket up, like the the, the, the corporate or the career bucket, you know, was, was overflowing yes, <laughs> at, yes. at that time. So I thought, okay, so let's go and get some life experience. Um, You know, I had been traveling a lot, but to have a dedicated yeah, just traveling. It's something I'll never forget. And, you know, and what it sort of came down to was, you know, when I'm in my 80s, 90s, 100s, whatever it is, I'll, I'll look back and say, you know, I'm glad I took that year and a bit off because it made me such a, a more complete person with a worldly perspective and and created these awesome memories and experiences and met some amazing people along the way. Whereas I'm not sure if too many people would look back and say, oh, yep. Yeah, 2018, I'm glad I stayed in a corporate role or or worked that extra year to get that transaction done. It was a a great way to to recharge the batteries and and get a a fresh perspective and and come back with, I guess, renewed vigor.
1: Oh, I love that, Greg. That It's perspective, as you say. And I've seen that in you. I've seen you've come back with a renewed vigor, fresh perspective, and you've launched yourself into, you know, yet another wonderful chapter of the career bucket, something that's also got that alignment with with passion and values, as we, we touched on earlier, and you've made a real impact. And I know you're super modest and you don't want me to go there, but you would have also known I was going to bring this up because you... <laughs> <laughs> you are you were just recently awarded as general counsel of the year by Lawyers Weekly which is a phenomenal achievement let me let me say congratulations in person because i've been trolling you all over yep. linkedin going yay greg yay greg <laughs> but but honestly what what an, a remarkable achievement and a true testament to you can pull back and take some time for you and reassess recharge and then come back into the corporate world and really smash your goals.
0: Oh, thank you, Mel. Yes, I was absolutely flattered just to have been uh, uh, nominated and be a finalist, but to to actually win that General Counsel of the Year award with Lawyers Weekly, especially amongst a group of such talented general counsels and leaders in the legal profession, I was absolutely stoked and and it, I'm still not sure how, how it happened <laughs> sometimes but um you are too
1: modest you're very very humble my friend but I know how it happens cuz I've I've shared an office space with you so I know how it happens you oh, you thanks, just Mel, you're consistently you're just a high performer greg and you consistently show up and do the work and and do it do it very well and your standards for your work mm-hmm. are are just always high. I'm going to finish in this vein with your most recent recognition. If we look back to your entire career journey, everything that's taken place for you to get to this point, you've had so many interesting experiences in Australia, in Botswana, in the Netherlands. There's not a continent that you really haven't worked on and or, or traveled through extensively. You've seen a lot, you've experienced a lot, and in the corporate space, you have achieved a lot. I'd love to know, what it takes to become an award-winning general counsel?
0: I think it comes down to a number of of factors. But firstly, I guess, understanding how the governance and legal and COSEC function fits into the bigger purpose of the organisation. So, for example, Life Saving Victoria's mission is to prevent aquatic-related death and injury across all Victorian communities. And the role and the purpose of the governance and legal function is to support that. So by having best practice governance in our emergency services operations, in our social enterprise, in our volunteer divisions, helps support that mission and that vision. So I guess having a vision and mission and articulating that mm. is, is important as the first step. I guess the, the second thing is, you know, you can't do it by yourself. And it's the, 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 having the best team around you and using the resources that are available, both people resources and system resources. So here at Life Saving Victoria, you know, I have a relatively very small team in terms of staff or paid staff, but we are also a volunteer-based organisation and I could absolutely not do what I'm doing and we couldn't do what we were doing without our volunteers. Of course. So you know, whether it's my board of 11 volunteer directors or whether it's my governance committee of another another six volunteers, whether it's my grievance and judiciary committee of uh, another 10 volunteers, whether it's the support from each of the clubs and each of the presidents or secretaries or member protection officers or whoever I work with. So it's having that resource and having the, the people around you and inspiring that team, I guess, in some ways to, to achieve that common purpose. So I think those are, are two core things. And the third one. I think it comes down to just having those great relationships and, and strong communication. So I probably sometimes may put my foot in it by being too direct, but <laughs> sometimes it, it works. But I, I guess the, the, the great thing is being able to have those relationships and communicate openly, frankly, and transparently with, with the business and working hand in hand with them to say, you know, okay, this is how I see it. Or uh, perhaps we could look at it from this perspective or or harnessing that, that that ability to work together. So I think those are probably three core areas um, that I find crucial in, in having a successful practice. And in some ways, it doesn't just relate to 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 the legal function or the, the governance function. You know, it, I guess it relates to probably every other department as well, just understanding how you fit in and how you can contribute and how you do contribute to that overall bigger picture.
1: Wonderful. I love it. Having, having a real mission and a vision that's aligned with the company that you're, you're working for, articulating that, and then, you know, making everything that you do come back to that mission. It's, it kind of, it makes perfect sense to me and has certainly served you well. We'll leave it there. I'm going to give you back your Saturday afternoon. Thank you so much for your time and your generosity, telling your story to and through in-house practice. It's been quite an adventure.
0: Oh, I'd like to thank you for your time and the opportunity here as well, Mel. Uh, it's been great catching up. But yeah, I guess um, using the travel analogy, yeah, let's go on an adventure. And this has been the, the, the in-house adventure for me to date. So let's see what's yeah, in installed for the next chapter.
1: I'm here. I'm in your corner backing you on. Can't wait to see what's, what's next for you, Greg.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, and really appreciate that, Mel, too.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Counsel. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn or Instagram. Find me at The In-House Lawyer.